welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer with Gene Galvin and me. I am Maria Corelli. We are recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience here in Folk School Coffee Parlor of Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Judge Jerry! Oh, my oh, way up in the third deck. Hi, y'all. Oh, man. Oh, gosh, crowd control. Well, I'll tell you, part of the crowd, we have a nice yes. group here tonight, as we usually do at the Folk School Coffee Parlor, Ludlow, Kentucky. Little cool town on the banks of the Ohio, and that's important to some people I want to introduce. And, uh, David, I'm, I'm going to ask in a second someone to come over here and uh, help me kind of uh, tell this story. But here's the deal. There is a project <clears throat> that has the support of REI. How many people know what REI is? Recreation Equipment Incorporated. For those of you who aren't watching on Facebook Live, virtually all the hands have gone up. Phenomenal co-op company that's been around since 1938, Rec Recreation like what? That. Recreation. Recreation Equipment Incorporated. Jerry Springer has no clue what REI is. <laughs> I, I swear to God, he has no idea what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm no. not joking. What, no, wasn't that a rock group, REO? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, REI. He does not have any idea. But there is another part of America that, of course, is very outdoorsy in all sorts of ways. So REI, now that tells you something, got behind this project. Uh, there's a regional organization, OKI, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, kind of a conglomerate that promotes a lot of activities in this region of the country. And this project is called the Ohio River Recreational Trail, because the deal is the Ohio River, of course, has been around forever. It's gone through some changes. It's gotten deeper. It's gotten wider. We've dammed it in various ways, the old uh, wicket dams, and then that followed with modern dams, and that was all to create more depth, year-round depth, so that commerce could happen. So it's always been a commercial river, and that's a good thing. But we've lost, or we never got, the fact that it could be a recreational river. So this project, the Ohio River Recreational Trail, is an attempt to get more people to think, so it's a framing thing, it's conceptualizing that the river could be a blue trail, a waterway that obviously has roads on both sides of it, sometimes right along it, sometimes they veer away, and it runs through multiple states. So a team of people, I'm very proud to be part of that team, are now traveling it from Portsmouth, Ohio. We started four days ago. The destination is Louisville, Kentucky, so that's about 250 miles, give or take. And the bulk of the people are traveling, this is very cool, and Voyager canoes. These are French trapper canoes. They're amazing looking because they're decorated with like Native American looking stuff. They can handle up to about 10 people. Men and women are in the first leg, the first half, from Portsmouth to Cincinnati, there was one canoe. Two more are being added tomorrow morning in Cincinnati. And along the way, the team is stopping and meeting with dignitaries from various cities. I am a cyclist, so I am rolling, and Nate Sturm was with me for four of the days, and he got has a new job he's starting. He's very happy about that, so he's peeled off. 
another cyclist may join me in the next section in a chunk or two of it. But what I'm doing is gathering the, inf the amenities, because we're creating a digital map. We're creating an app on your phone that in the future, if you're a cyclist, or you could be a hiker, or you could be a motorcyclist, or you could be a driver, or you could be a paddleboard. Today we had a paddleboard dude with us uh, going down the river. Uh, you could be a kayaker. You could be a motorboat person. But along the way, if you're gonna do this over a matter of days, the question becomes, where do I eat? Where do I sleep? What cool things are there to see? So I've care, I'm personally carrying a notebook and I'm stopping a lot and I'm jotting down stuff. As you, I, I saw this morning, this is freaking, this is why this project <clears throat> had to happen. This morning in New Richmond, there was a bald eagle. Are you kidding me? Who would have thought in New Richmond, east of Cincinnati, you would look in a tree and at the top, and this is how they roll, because I've been to Alaska a lot. I've seen a lot of bald eagles. I put it on Facebook and it created this big controversy. Gene, you don't know what a bald, that's a, that's a chicken vulture. <laughs> I know what a chicken hawk is and I know what a bald, it's a bald eagle, white head prominent on top of a dead tree and then it flew. Well, that's amazing. That's why this project is good, because that's what we're missing. So uh, let me bring Brewster or Dr. David. We got two guys here. Dr. David Wicks is from a Paddle Sports Organization in Louisville, Kentucky, and a former educator as I am. And he is, along with Brewster Rhodes, who is certainly known in the greater Cincinnati area and actually throughout Ohio, and Dr. Uh, David Wicks is one of the people who, along with Brewster, uh, kind of conceptualized this. And David is, he, no one, there is, it's clear he's the boss of the canoe. But everybody's like, well, we don't have a boss. But when David says we're getting up at four in the morning to hit the water when it's nice and flat without the headwinds, we got Brewster Rhodes here who's gonna talk, then that's what everybody does. So, uh, and Brewster Rose is gonna join the crew tomorrow. Uh, what am I leaving out, Brewster? Is, uh... Well, I think both uh, David and I uh, organize events in our respective cities, me in Cincinnati and David in Louisville, that draw attention to the river, promote it as a recreational uh, opportunity for folks to paddle, to fish, to, to hike, uh, to powerboat, to stand up paddleboard. Um, but it's a great resource to get out there and do adventure tourism, and that's what we're basically trying to develop is the tools to help people plan multiple day trips along the shores or in the river itself uh, to just explore, hey, just like, just like <clears throat> Lewis and Clark did years ago. <laughs> hey, let's touch on two things. One, from the canoeist point of view, because I haven't been in a canoe, but I'm hopeful uh, that I will be before this is over. Um, and but I have seen it from the roadways. So there is a question that cyclists would have. Cyclists listening to this would say, well, okay, I bet you can tell me, and the answer is I can, where I could eat and where I could sleep. So we're looking for Airbnbs, couch surfing spots. Are there uh, any nice hotels along the way? Uh, there's a great in- uh, A five star for you, Jerry, no yeah. problem. 
great old school well, motel I, you know, outside you, of Higginsport. You, you talk about you know having a pitch at ten. Yes. You know, and uh, well, last night at the Ritz, one only <laughs> one chocolate on the pillow. There you go. That's camping. That's Jerry Springer camping. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's outrageous at those prices. That's you rough get one. It. Hey, oh, but uh, you can ride these roads along the Ohio River. I have not felt in danger, because that's the big question, Brewster, that comes up is, can you ride these, because they're all two-lane roads. There, I have not had any bad experiences traveling these roads on a bike, and that's significant. I watched the group go through Dr. David Wicks, the mm -hmm. locks, a, sm a canoe, it, it's actually a big canoe, but it, compared to the bars that went ahead of you guys, meld all dam. You went through. Well, you know, the Ohio River has been traveled by people for centuries, probably thousands of years, and we're just here to say that you still can, and it's a pleasure. And the locks, you know, the Ohio River is the most managed river in the world, and it's been focused on transportation, and we're here to say it's a recreational venue. It has been for a long time, and you can go through the locks. In Louisville, we have 12,000 people every Memorial Day and Labor Day come together for bicycling, paddling, and hiking. And this Labor Day, we'll go through the McAlpin Lock and Dam, and we now have the largest lock-through in, in North America. Uh, and so we had about 1,000 boats locked through at one time. So if you want to come down and sort of see what it's like and be with kindred spirits, come down to Louisville on, on uh, Memorial or on Labor Day. Very but, cool. you know, at the same time, it is about recreation, but it really is. We've stopped at these 27 river towns that we're working with, and I can't tell you the excitement between the mayors and the elected officials and the citizens that we met about the understanding of the river and what we can do with it. So often, you know, in our city in Louisville, there's a divide, you know, there's a urban center in Louisville, and there's the rural part of Kentucky. And, 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 and occasionally politics are different. Occasionally people, you know, sort of think about different priorities. But the river brings us together. And how, you know, in a time of divided government, in a time of divided society, let's value that river and come together around clean water. Because that's what it really is about. Very much. And by the way, a shout out to some people who have been so cool along the way. The kids from Thomas More University's biology station that's uh, in a converted old Wicket's uh, facility when the Wicket dams were happening on the Ohio River. So these kids, uh, Madison and Morgan and Jonathan and Kelly, literally helped two of us on bikes cross back and forth because we riders would be on one side of the river, but we might be camping on the other side. Of course, you have bridges across various places and there are some ferries. I probably will take the Anderson Ferry tomorrow to get over to Gilday Park on the west side of Cincinnati to hook up with everybody to roll out tomorrow morning. So, but these kids from who are, who are interns at Thomas More University shuttled us back and forth. We had the cooperation of the people in Maysville. We slept. I thought it was the coolest campsite yet, and a lot of people were kind of freaking about it, but it's, it was, uh, you know, right on the river in Maysville, and there was the train, the one that goes to Washington, D.C. and New York, went by about eight feet from my head in my tent, 
And man, when they go by, it's unbelievable. It's thunderous. It was very cool. So there have been, uh, and by the way, for cyclists, Glensboro, Kentucky, and I, I'm going to put this in the digital app, right on the side of the firehouse put there by the firemen are two portalettes. So if you're rolling on a bike down, uh, that would be... Let me write that down. <laughs> That would be on Route 8, and you need to go to the bathroom. you got a couple portalettes there. So we're putting in all this stuff. Great places to stop and have an ice cream, microbreweries, wineries. There's an awesome winery over on Route 8 on the Kentucky side. So the point is we're going back and forth and trying to grab these amenities, and uh, it's been quite amazing. Right, so, and Gene, you're, you're, you're so right, because what we're trying to do is to make it easy for folks to plan and take an adventure tourism uh, you know, uh, vacation right in their own backyard. You don't have to go to Colorado or you know, to the Alps to have a very cool, cutting-edge uh, outdoor recreational experience. If you live in Cincinnati and Louisville in the middle of the Midwest, you can jump in a canoe, you can do a powerboat, you can use your, your bike and spend two or three days exploring, just like you were Lewis and Clark or whatever, um, uh, this incredible natural waterway if you sh and if you shut your eyes in some sections um, it, it's just like you were you are Lewis and Clark going down the river and often you look up and there's no building there's no na uh, artificial light it's just like it was in 1803 and by the way David Tracy or somebody one of the paddlers told me because we're all camping together at night I believe it was yesterday morning you guys canoed on a flat river into fog and they said it was just magical. Well, you know, you sort of think about the morning time, and the river is magical. You yep. know, and we've been talking a fair amount about the current recreational status, but one of our dreams is the future of our area. And, you know, you brought up Thomas More College that is uh, developing or has developed for 30 years this wonderful lock system that they have, the, the old lock. Well, it turns out that Lewis County Schools in Vanceburg, where we stopped, has a lock that they already own. You know, they own the old lock house, and it's vacant, and it's sitting there totally empty right on the Ohio River. And so how can we help Lewis County Schools and Vanceburg and those local folks sort of explore the river and develop that infrastructure just like Thomas More College did. And so we want to share some of the resources up and down the river to really bring that attention because it has been ignored. You know, for so long, you know, you sort of think about the EPA. You know, the EPA region to the north is Chicago, to the east is uh, uh, Chesapeake Bay, to the south is Florida and the Gulf of Mexico, and we're in the middle ignored. Uh, and so when we look at finances and resources, our federal government is not doing their due diligence in protecting the Ohio River and not providing those resources for it. So how can we get some of these recreational folks fired up to really go after our current folks and current politicians to say, our river is important. Our, you know, clean water in the Ohio River Valley is essential for our future growth. Sounds good. And good by the way, you. yeah. And by the way, just uh, close this out, and we're going to, as we always do in the Jerry Springer podcast, kind of prod Jerry to uh, talk a little bit about a topical issue, and then we've got Chelsea Nolan, right? She's unbelievable. You guys have to hear her. She is phenomenal, rising, oh, I think, a rising star yeah. out of the Red River Gorge in Kentucky, speaking mm -hmm. of Kentucky. But uh, I get ripped a lot because I ride an e-bike, 
And people say, well, you're cheating. You're riding a bike with pedal assist. So today, the Thomas More University students dropped me off over on the Ohio side, Route 52, in a place called New Richmond. And the people who are around here know where that is. But it's, over, it's about 20, 25 miles outside of Cincinnati on the east side. I pushed the button so that I can now ride. It has no throttle, but you, you pedal and it helps. It had no power. Oh, my poopsie. <laughs> so I had to ride from New Richmond to Cincinnati. You like me. Manual. Oh, there's a unique thing. But I did. You have to pedal a bike. <laughs> Where did they come up with that? How did you come up with that? To be honest, it was nearly impossible. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. I got on the phone with... It, it, this is so inter- crazy because we're talking all this. Go back to Nate. Go back to Lewis and Clark. And I'm riding down the road with no power talking to people in Colorado, some tech kid. Well, let's see, dude, what you got to do. Did you do this? Did you do that? And we're troubleshooting my bike. And by the time I got to Cincinnati, we got it fixed. So now I got, uh, I'm rolling again. So I'll, see, I'll be there in the morning. Um, so let's hear it for this, uh, for yeah. the Ohio River Recreational yeah. Trail. Thank you to Bruce all, Rhodes and David Wick. Yeah, with all my smart comments about it, uh, seriously, you guys are really committed to something that is worthwhile. And you're not just talking about it, you're actually doing it. So, so good for you. And it, it, as long as I've known you, uh, Brewster, Brewster you, Rhodes, yeah, yeah. you've been doing stuff like this. So wow. good, good for you. You are really committed. <laughs> Life's too short not to make a difference, right, Jerry? Yeah. But my age, it's getting shorter. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Brewster Rhodes came out of the same generation as Jerry Springer and me, uh, committed to we all thought we can change the world. I still do think, and I think we are and have changed the world. And that's Thursday. the spirit. That's the spirit that I wish uh, yeah. young people yep. would have. And you should not be discouraged by anything. You can, might be piece at a time, but you can really make a difference. So Brewster Rhodes, uh, David Wicks, appreciate it. Jerry, well, I have noticed, a lot of us have noticed that Democrats We've been Democrats forever. We became friends back around 1969. And yeah. you ran, you know, an effort to lower the voting age, and you ran for office. You became a lot of things politically, a lot of succeeded in a lot of races. And we always knew some people, we might have been those people, who were pretty far left. Now, in the Democratic Party, it, it appears, I think it's documented, there's an element and the question I want to ask you is, how big is it? Is it taking over the Democratic Party? Is that good or bad if it is? And that is the socialist element. Bernie Sanders is now running for the second time as president, trying to get the Democratic nomination, and he's a Democratic socialist. We have congresspersons who are being elected who are Democratic socialists. So how do you see that movement, and is it getting traction? It's getting some traction, and we saw evidence of it, and then I'd like to talk about why I think it's happening. But um, this past week in California, uh, and this is the first time in, in memory that the state of California has a major role to play in the early primaries because they moved up the date. You know, the primary season for president always starts with the same four states, uh, Iowa has the caucuses, and then New Hampshire and Nevada and South Carolina. And usually, except for South Carolina, the argument always is, well, 
Iowa and New Hampshire, lovely people, lovely states, but they're hardly representative of what America looks like and what a you know, the major population of the country cares about um, in terms of priorities. And so, and then by the time, California usually was sometime in June. So the biggest state in the union and the state with the most Democrats basically doesn't have a voice in who the Democratic candidate will be because by the time you get to California, the, no, uh, the nominee has already been selected. So this time they changed it. And now California is the two days after the first four primaries. In other words, two days after South Carolina, suddenly it's California, where something like a third of all the delegates will be selected. So all of a sudden, all these candidates are basically having to run national campaigns because it, you know, it doesn't do good if they, they only win Iowa and New Hampshire, which is where the candidates used to always spend their time doing retail politics. Now they've got to come out of California looking real good, and that means you have to have the money to buy all the TV markets there, et cetera. Anyway, so California, they, the Democratic Party held their state convention this past weekend, and most of the candidates were there except for uh, Joe Biden, who is way ahead in the polls, and probably decided he, at this point, strategically didn't need to be there because he's already ahead and, you know, didn't want to say something maybe that they wouldn't have liked. Whatever. He wasn't there. But everyone else was. And one of the candidates, John Hickenlooper, that used to be a governor, um, while he was up there talking, he says, look, socialism is not the answer. The whole convention started booing him. And it was like, wow, this was unthinkable a few years ago that in American politics at a convention of any state uh, coming out against socialism would get you booed. Normally, that was a, a term of, of disrespect. Don't vote for him, he's a socialist. And wow, that's it. You're not, your, your political career is, is over. And particularly among young people, they are coming to the side of, you know, maybe we ought to consider socialism. Why is this happening? Well, this younger generation, millennials, Generation Z, is so much more liberal And it's because, I would argue, this is the first generation to basically live in an America, or the first generation that is in itself multicultural. In other words, America has for a long time had a significant part of the population that supports a multicultural America, but minorities were only a very small part. Now, fully, 44% of all people in America under the age of 30 are a minority. 44%. By the next generation, America will mostly be a minority nation. So, to this, they are living the multicultural 
life. To them, it isn't something weird. It's who's sitting next to them in class, who they date, who they love, who they marry. So all of a sudden, recognizing this, they have a whole different view of what, quote, traditional politics in America was. Millennials are pro-gay rights. 79% of millennials are pro-immigration. 79%. 61% are pro-racial diversity. They are more likely to believe that discrimination is the main barrier to black progress. In fact, with the overall population, not only are they pro-immigrant, but the overall population of America now is in favor of a public option for health care, is in favor of background check, checks on guns, is in favor of higher taxes for the wealthiest 2%, is in favor of major action on climate change, and is overwhelmingly pro-choice. So, this is where most America is, then why is the younger generation suddenly saying, Maybe socialism is the answer. Well, nothing is happening on these issues, I would argue, because built into our political system, we have a system, a political system, that is not responsive to the will of the people. Think about it. We have a president we didn't vote for. Remember, Hillary got three million more votes than Trump. So the people, the Electoral College supported Trump, got it, got it. He's officially the president. You know, assuming Russia didn't fix it. But let's, let's just give that. I'll stay away from that. Let's just say the Electoral College voted for Trump. But the American people, by three million votes, that's almost a landslide, voted for Hillary. So we have a president we didn't vote for. We have a Senate that by structure is tilted towards rural, culturally conservative, white, Protestant, unpopulated states. This wasn't done out of any evil thought, but that's the structure. Again, the Senate is tilted to rural, culturally conservative, white, Protestant, unpopulated states. Why do I say that? Every state gets two senators. So, 50 senators make up half the Senate, right? The 50 senators from the 25 smallest states, the 50 senators represent 16.16% of the country. Think about that. You wonder why the Senate votes everything down, why the Senate's so conservative? Because half of the Senate, one short of a majority, represents only 16% of the country. And then you wonder why we don't get anything that the American people in mass would want? The American public is not conservative, is not right-wing. Stop buying that notion. It's just not true. I'm not 
even making a moral judgment. Is it good or bad? It's just not true. Most people are pro-choice. Most people want reasonable gun control. Most people, you know, want affordable health care, health care for all. That's what most people want. And the truth is, if you just talk to your friends, that's where they are. And then you wonder, why does the government get nothing done? It's because structurally, it isn't built to respond to the will of the people. And then, of course, you have the Supreme Court, who we now see is intent on protecting the interests of white, wealthy, powerful men. And there's not a man, <laughs> but a very nice woman. Okay. So now into this reality comes this younger generation. For the first time, old enough to vote. For the first time, entering the workplace. And what do they see? They see in this country, which they pledge allegiance to and everything else, they see a generation of stagnant wages. They see unpayable student loans. They see unaffordable housing, unaffordable health care. They see oftentimes racist law enforcement. They see misogyny. They see denial of climate change. Denial of climate change? Just take a look at the weather over the last two months in America, in the most conservative states. Is there anyone there anymore buying the notion of no climate change? So... What are they to think? The system isn't working. From their perspective, how do you argue with them? Simply saying, ah, oh, socialism doesn't work. And by the way, and you may not like my view on this, but I don't think an entire socialist system is right for America. In fact, the history, frankly, is not very good. Unless you're a smaller, homogenic, country like, homogenous country like Sweden or Denmark, when socialism has been tried in multicultural, vast countries, whether it was initially Germany, Soviet Union, China, Cuba, Venezuela, whenever you, you have divisions within a community, within a society, different ethnic groups, whatever, eventually, if you want to have total equality, you're going to have to enforce it because there are inevitably some group that wants to advance or, or do something more. And that's where it always turns to dictatorship. And that's why on the extreme, either it goes either left or right, but it's dictatorship enforced by a military. So the history of a whole society of socialism does not work. And that, that's history. Capitalism is what every society ultimately gets a piece of because they realize they have to fund whatever programs they want. And capitalism can do that if, if, if it is regulated, if it is we can control or reform the excesses of capitalism. So that's what the answer is. It means some some services within a society should be run by the government, whether it's health care, housing for the poor, the environment. I mean, there are some things clearly that the government has a role to do. And that, I mean, we've had Social Security and Medicare 
for years. That's socialism. So screaming about we can't have anything that's socialistic is absurd. We demand it. Take Social Security away from grandma. You'll find out in a hurry how much we like socialism. We just can't have socialism as the answer. But I understand why a younger generation is asking for something new. It was the same thing at the time of the Depression. Socialism really started to grow here in the United States. When things aren't working, people will look to try something new. So I say to my dear friends who are conservatives and Republicans, you get scared when you hear the word socialism. You get scared that we could have a candidate that's going to be a socialist. Let me tell you, unless the Republican Party and conservatives don't wake up to the notion that if they on their own don't join in to reform, to regulate, to have something to say about the excesses of capitalism, you will lose the whole system. People are not, another generation is not just going to sit back and take the fact that they can't afford doctors, can't afford education, they're in debt, they can't get a, a job with upward mobility, that there's still this growing, growing gap between the top 2% and the rest of the masses. If it, we don't fix that, we're not going to have any capitalism. The people won't take it. And that is the history of every society in the world. The people won't take it if we don't reform the system we have now. You want capitalism? Fix it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're bringing back another musician. Um, This is uh, our music portion of the podcast, and we're happy to have... Uh, a musician back that we had on the last podcast. She uh, just released an album in October and has an incredible voice and incredible songwriting style. Everybody, Chelsea Nolan. Chelsea, we would uh, we would love for you to do uh, another. You're one wearing of your the songs. same thing you wore last week. I know. <laughs> that's that's uh, I look like a hot dog. <laughs> oh, I'm. <just> kidding. <laughs> I match the. See, hot I do dog. have a filter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. My mom's watching. She appreciates yeah, it too. Yeah, I have a filter. <laughs> <laughs> she probably cringes. This song's called yeah. "Build a Fire." It's the the first song on my uh, album, and I wrote it about the very first man that ever created fire, and how weird that must have been. And how I'm sure that he wanted to share it with his friends, but uh, as much as they enjoyed it, they realized that it wasn't theirs. And I think maybe that's what sparked uh, mankind for finding their fire and finding their passion. And uh, I did a TED talk over it, <laughs> um, so I'm not going to do that here. But, <laughs> but, but, but I did do a TED talk over it, and it'll be out on the inner, inner tubes. At, at some point, but uh, here's here's build a fire.
build a fire You can learn a lot about a man By the way he builds a fire Learn to turn your head And walk away to go to sleep But if you stay awake a little while You can bust a night wide open This morning's just around the corner
Man. She, she is a poet. Yeah. <laughs> the paddlest in the audience. We want her on a canoe tomorrow. Up in, <laughs> up in the bow with her guitar. Damn. Paddle fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah. Paddle fast. Chelsea, look what you got yourself into. Oh. You're I'll a good you're a good writer. Thank you. Chelsea, yeah. You're a good writer. That That's very metaphorical. Very beautiful. Thank you. I um uh, wanted to ask you ab Tra did about. Did I say Tracy? I meant Chelsea. I don't know what you yeah, said. Right. <laughs> yeah. Join Chelsea. the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> um, whatever you said, I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been called worse. <laughs> um, so we caught wind of uh, a radio show you actually host down in oh God. where you're from. Um, the catfish tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Someone told us. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, will you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> okay. So I used to do radio um, for a long time, and I had a show called Red River Rock Out, and then that was on Fridays, and then I had a show that was daily, and it was called Rolling with Nolan. <laughs> That's funny. Where'd they come up with that? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I left that to, to play music, and... Uh, they needed someone to fill in. I don't. Why'd you ask me about this? <laughs> they, they needed someone to fill in for this thing called Tradio, and I love Tradio with everything in me because it's weird and I like weird stuff, uh, and it's just it's very grassroots and I like that too. But I mean, to be honest, it's just very entertaining and I like it. And <laughs> you probably get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's but, she's looking at me. <laughs> But Tradio is where you buy some, gosh, okay, you call in the radio station and it's live on the radio and like I narrate it, I guess, host yeah. it, and people call in and they let me know the things they want to buy, sell, trade, or give away. And it gets weird fast, like today, <laughs> the first call, um, I answer it and I'm like, good morning, Tradio. And then this guy's rambling about he's wanting some bean poles. And I was, man, it's just too early for that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's, at, it's at 10 in the morning. And, uh, and then somebody called in and was wanting to ride to Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's real. Like, That's it's real, awesome. But it's that awesome. Great. <laughs> That's what I did today. Whenever, whenever I travel, do a road trip through anywhere in rural America, I look for buy, sell, trade, give it away yeah. shows like that. Oh, yeah. Radio. Well, it's if you're fantastic. in the Red River Gorge, WSKV 104.9. There it is. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, that's Thanks great. for entertaining yeah. that question. You should come do it with me tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Boy, that would be great. As soon as I get my canoe going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't get your canoe going very early in the morning, do you? No, I, I, people have always said that about me. Yeah. <laughs> what? I don't know what that means, <laughs> but it sounded like it would be funny. I said it. Oh, no. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Chelsea, will you let us know? Um, I know you said this on the last podcast, but let us know about where we can hear your stuff and, and see your uh, upcoming dates and stuff. Okay. Uh, I have a website, chelsea.nolanmusic.com. I'm not very good at updating that, so maybe Facebook's the best place to find me. Uh, but my name's C-H-E-L-S-E-A-N-O-L-A-N. Um, and 
the picture on Facebook is my head, so it's awesome. easy to find. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good at updating cool. that, but that's about yeah. my, okay. where it ends. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah. Will you um will you take us out on Down by the Riverside? Yeah. Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Oh.